Bonjour, I'm Chris, and this is the Anishinaabe History Podcast. Something's been on my mind lately. I've been trying to put it into words. I've had a lot of jobs over the years. And I've had a lot of these jobs because I'm Ojibwe. I've had jobs with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation and in schools and in the public library because I'm Ojibwe. This podcast that I'm doing, I'm speaking as an Ojibwe man. In a lot of what I'm doing, talking to youth, talking to leaders, talking to elders, what we often end up talking about is getting back our culture, getting back to our culture as well as getting strength from our culture. We can call this process decolonization. It's a buzzword, decolonization. Statues get defaced and pulled down in the name of decolonization. Programs are made in schools and in workplaces in the name of decolonization. As an Ojibwe person doing some of this work, I can say... Two things. The first is decolonization happens within one's own mind. That has to occur as well as changing street names, changing map names, even naming your kids traditional names. The decolonization happens in the mind, which is why we go to the, the, the culture. The second is that there are limits to so-called decolonization. In the places where I've worked, where I've tried to speak about Ojibwe issues, Anishinaabe issues, Indigenous issues, there's a limit to understanding and implementation. And this comes from people from all different ethnicities. If we're to decolonize ourselves, we need to know our history. We need to know it accurately, and we need to know it inside and out, intimately. If we don't do that, we are not decolonizing our own minds, which is where the most important decolonization should occur, has to occur. There are limits to what we can implement in workplaces, especially if there's no understanding of the treaties on the land where these buildings and office infrastructures are built. Do people understand where the electricity for the building comes from? Do they understand where the oil and gas for their vehicle comes from? Where the components for their cell phones and vehicles and their houses, where that comes from? What about the paper at work, the wood for the furniture? Where do those resources come from? The answer is it all comes from stolen indigenous land. The wood, the paper products come from crown land here in Canada. That's land, indigenous land, held in trust by the crown. That's why it's called crown land. It's indigenous land. So we say we want land back. We want land title. We want our language and culture back. There's protests. There's smudging ceremonies. Drumming circles. There's cases being tried in court. All this is being done simultaneously as we speak. But like I said, there's two important things. 
one, the decolonization happens inside our minds. And two, there's a limit to how far we can go with decolonization, especially if people are using material that comes from outside of treaty areas, within treaty area, in non-traditional ways. The understanding of the treaties, and the ones I'm thinking of are Robinson Superior of 1850 and Treaty Number no. 9. These were signed not necessarily so that people could coexist, but so that Native people and settlers could live in peace on the same land, but separately. That's why reserves were created. But that reservation mindset needs to be deconstructed before we can really say we are decolonized. Anyway, those are just some of my thoughts. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris, and this is the Anishinaabe History Podcast.